What's up, everybody? First off, thank you for listening to the Clear Out Podcast. If you have not already subscribed, go ahead and do that, and also give me a rating. It helps a new show like this. Today's conversation is a little bit different. I sat down with the Locked On Nets guys, Adam Armbrick and Doug Norrie, who have done a great job covering the Kyrie Irving saga on their show, Locked On Nets. Also, go ahead and subscribe to them and give them a rating. They do a really great job. And we kind of just came together for a bit of a roundtable to discuss what's been a very interesting two weeks. I don't want to spoil too much more of the conversation, but I think we hit on a lot of interesting details and tried to make sense of what's been a really confusing situation. Now let's flip over to the conversation between myself and Locked On Nets. All right, we are here with Matt Brooks. Matt Brooks is here with us. It's going to go both ways on this podcast. Really excited to talk about this one. We gave it to you all in the intro about what's going on. Obviously, Matt, um, from his listeners, are going to know one of the best minds, if not the best mind, covering the Nets full-time right now. Uh, we're really happy to be talking to him and thought it would be like a good way to just sort of trade around ideas of what's happening with the Kyrie Irving situation. Now, among other things, buddy, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you guys have done an incredible job with your podcast, just kind of detailing this Kyrie Irving situation in a way that I was frankly jealous. I was like, wow, they have handled this with way more eloquence than I have. <laughs> I've just been, uh, you know, kind of hacking away at this the best I can. So I, I thought it would be good for us to come together since we've been pretty, uh, pretty on top of this. I think all of us. Yeah. So it's a situation that's complex. It's like, it's simultaneously really simple and pretty complex, like all, sort of all at the same time. And I guess, you know, the way Adam and I have talked about it up until this point is mostly about from the Met, the Nets, the Nets media arm and are using sort of the media. It seems like to try to send a message to Kyrie Irving at this point that maybe internal dialogue has either failed to do or was unable to start, or, you know, that's just all conjecture. Like we're just kind of guessing at that piece. Have you gotten that sense from the things that you've seen over the last couple of days, the side quotes, the Woj piece with Windhorse, what's been said to Brian Lewis at times. I mean, there's like a lot of stuff out there now. It seems like it seems clear as day to me, but I don't know if we and Adam and I have sort of overstated it maybe. Yeah. I mean, so first off the, I, w- I have been a little skeptical because of how much they were, you know, like when we, when I was at media day, all of the answers were the same, which kind of made me like my hair stand up a little bit. Oh, we're not worried. We're not worried. It was just the same answer across the board. And it was said in such a way where it just didn't feel genuine um, in a sense. So I kind of, that was when I started to be on pins and needles a little bit. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you get, let's, let's say, you know, somebody, they get dumped and they're like, no, no, no. I dumped them. It was like that kind of an energy. It was just, it was, it was a weird vibe there. The side comments were like where the alarms really started going off for me. That was where. Yeah. It's interesting because when you, you know, you said about we initially, and it's like going back to last year with things that went on with Kyrie, where you basically say, Hey, you know, Oh, he's away from the team. You get all the boilerplate responses. He comes back. You really don't get any deep explanation about what went on. And now he's back with the team and it's fine. So the initial part of that wave of media day of being like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's happening. 
Doug and I had the same reaction to the Joseph Psy piece. Like that was, hey, here's a dude that doesn't really get involved. Sean Marks handles what the team is thinking or how those interactions are going. You'll ask Steve Nash those questions. But as soon as Joseph Psy kind of put his voice into the conversation, it made it feel very much like here's this next level up. I mean, the highest level you can go, but here is the owner saying, well, I'm kind of fed up with this. Like, I have a very clear expectation about why I've invested so much money into this franchise is to win championships, and it's not to have to deal with this, especially just as the season is about to kick off. Yeah, I thought the wording of the it's his, it's or whatever he said along the lines of it's his personal decision, he very much wanted to make it clear that was not what the team was with. That was not what he was with. And that was kind of where I read that quote, and I, I did like a double take. I had to read it again because I just... I mean, for the most part, Joe Sy has been pretty in the background um, and he hasn't really come out and said anything. And this Kyrie situation was just sort of hanging over everything, but it was to a degree in the, in a back kind of in the background, you know, you got all these other players being much more vocal about their stance on vaccination. Kyrie just sort of said, there's a plan. It's going to happen at some point. And it sort of just died down. And then those Joe Sy quotes came out. And that's when I was thinking, okay, there's something else here. Like there is something that isn't, fully right and everything we've gotten since then is kind of confirmed that have you you because okay, so you've been covering the team for a while obviously those that are i'm sure everyone listening to the podcast knows matt and has read matt's stuff but just to give a quick background like matt um has is the has locker room access to and has been like on the media side of the of covering the nets here yeah. for a while now have you seen because I, I, Adam and I didn't think we had. Had you seen when the the Adrian Morzanowski Brian Windhorse story came out the other day with the very specific wording? We detailed this on yesterday's podcast. So I'm not going to go back through all the quotes, but had you really seen the Nets? Had that? It feels like that's not the kind of story that's often you. Well, I sometimes call like Woj like the 33rd. I, I, I'm retreading this. Someone else came out the 33rd franchise, right? Like they're like he's the yeah. he and Shams at this point of the 33rd team, and they kind of just get in the mix and all this stuff. Had you ever seen anything like that come out of the nets where it was so, I mean, and do you agree with this statement also? It's like a two-parter. Do you agree that that statement, that was a very cleverly crafted plant to those guys about what they wanted the nets message to be? Yeah. I mean, I just never seen the nets, like to put it bluntly leak like that. Like they just have never send a message that way with media. Usually these things get handled behind closed doors. You think of the absence last year. The, I'll tell you right now, there were very like very serious conversations last year when Kyrie was taking his absence that were, I think, in the same ballpark as what we're dealing with right now, but they were, they were kind of done behind closed doors. This is way different this is you can tell right now there is a breach of communication because the only reason they would do this and go to Woj or or whoever and leak essentially and say here's our message if you cannot get that message to the person you're trying to send it to that's my read on this situation at least because everything before was handled behind closed doors um and I'm okay again I'm talking about the absence last year so that was what kind of, I mean, at this point, I was already kind of suspicious from the, the Joe Psy thing. That piece came out and I was like, okay, there's something off here. And everything that I've kind of heard has been, yeah, the communication has been like really not there right now, like not there. So, and that includes from ownership, that includes from management. I think that's even player to player. Um, 
and and it's just sort of like this thing that's hanging over them. Well, there was a hardened quote that came out today, um, and I feel bad. I, I I'll I'll put the who sourced it in the notes. I, it might have been Alex Shipper from the Athletic, but um, yep. he had said that Harden he had asked Harden about it, and they and Harden basically said at the tail end of the, that he hadn't talked to Kyrie about it, which speaks to you what you just said about the player to player communication that I think sometimes people assume is happening, and that yep. actually might not be happening because I think there's an assumption sometimes that that's happening. I want to go back to real quick about what you said something about last year. Do you think? having covered the team for a long time, do you think the situation last year where you said it was like really tight lipped and no one was really saying much about it and still sort of a mystery about why he sat um, for that extended period of time, um, or at least it's, it's a mystery in the sense that it hasn't been officially, I don't think ever confirmed about what happened. Yeah. Do you think that situation has eroded the patience around this situation? Like, do you think, do you think those are independent of each other? And I'm just only asking your guests, like, you don't need to have sourced this. Like the, no, no, do you think that situation has, has helped to erode, like has helped. It's like, sometimes with my kids, I'll say, I don't think you guys have young kids, but I'll say to my kids, my patience level is now at zero. Like the the morning has brought it down to zero. So I have no more patience to deal with this. I, I might, if this was the first thing I would have had more patience, but that is now my gas tank is dry. And so do you think that has, has sort of like do you think the situation would be better different without that one or do you think they're sort of independent of each other at this point could be but i i also think a large part of it is just like there are legal ramifications where he literally cannot play games in the barclays center 41 of them uh and and you know maybe more depending upon what changes over the next couple of months um and i think that's the motivator like at least at least with the hiatus the idea was hey let's give this guy his time and we're going to have faith that he's going to come back. Like this is a personal view, right? This is something that he personally believes in. And they're making it very clear. Like, look, if you want to have this personal view, go ahead, but you basically can't be a part of what we're doing here. I mean, and, and, and so I think that's the difference is that, yeah, I'm sure there is some human component of that, of just being a little bit worn down by this entire process happening once every eight months. But I think moreover uh, is just the idea that there, I, there's no like solution there. It's like, he has to do something that's going to challenge his personal views in a sense. So there's two parts there then, because going back to media day and then Kyrie being available via zoom to have those conversations, uh, we had talked about it previously where Kyrie seemed to reference this idea of one going to keep it personal, going to keep it private and go forward with the plan that we have in place. It seemed like he was referencing an internal understanding about what his intentions were going forward. Do you think that the final straw of having the Brian Lewis interview that gives you Joseph size perspective on things, was that the, the follow-up to a pivot from Kyrie Irving in terms of what they may have been discussing behind closed doors? Because it seems even going back to last year, a little, it seems counterintuitive to think that there's been communication and it looks like it's going to go a different direction than what we were able to get through last year beyond saying a lack of direct dialogue between the two of them. Doesn't it, it would seem counterintuitive that the nets didn't talk directly with Kyrie before they got to this place, at least having Kyrie give them some indication of what his intention was. And now it's changed. And that's why the nets are taking a much different tact here as opposed to last season, as opposed to any point over the off season, as opposed yep. to any of the number of times that Kyrie has been a on or off the court. I'm going to label it as issue, but we get the perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I think like the, the thing for me is the planning, the, the plan that was mentioned on media day. I, I just, I'm still curious what that plan is. And are the Nets privy to that plan? Do they know the plan? Or is this the yeah. Kyrie plan? Because <laughs> like, I don't know. I got know. a plan. I got a plan, guys. It, it just, sure doesn't don't seem worry like about it. it. <laughs> you know, like even the KD quotes we got yesterday kind of saying, maybe I'm naive. Like it's, we've at the, we're at the point where, you know, this is such a calculated team with their, you know, their media appearances. Everything they say is, is coordinated. It's, I mean, you saw it at media day. Everybody's saying the same thing. And now these little things are going to start to slip out and you have the, the, you know, the Woj article that you just like never see from the nets. That one felt like it was ripped right from like the Colangelo era Sixers. Like (laughs) it made no (laughs) sense to see that from the nets. Yeah. We had discussed that idea of, you know, you can try to send Kyrie a message. There's no guarantee that he's perceiving or receiving those messages based on, on his personality sometimes. So it's like, the normal tactics about sending a message to a player may not be as effective in this, in this particular instance, but you mentioned uh, Kevin Durant there. This yep. is the other piece of it, right? We're now at a place here where again, what Kevin Durant has said, couple it with James Harden's quote, the perception of we support our friend. And that's a, a, an individual category that Doug and I have kind of defined what that means in basketball terms. And we support our teammate. And then the, as we said on yesterday's podcast, the apex predator effect of I'm also here to get something done. So when you're hearing their responses, does it match up that they don't really have a lot of communication or understanding what Kyrie's intention is, that they maybe are not as supportive of whatever his plan may be for the season? And do you think that the extension is a loaded question, but the extension with Kevin Durant and the acquisition of James Harden is really what has afforded the Brooklyn Nets to take a very different position with Kyrie and issues that come up because it's not nearly the same process of getting to a championship when you have another player that has very clearly been able to provide what you need in support of Durant. Yeah, I mean, we could look at when Harden was traded for and you can look at the timing. And if you don't, and if you don't think that Kyrie's absence and Harden being traded for was a coincidence. I mean, if you, if you think that was a coincidence, you're naive, like, I'm sorry, that happened because of the fact that Kyrie was absent for two weeks and had minimal comment, you know, communication with the team. Um, And that's just sort of how that, that kind of transpired. And I think that's kind of the idea now. Um, And what was your first question about the, uh, the, the uh, extensions? Yeah, just the well, and it, yeah, the extension for Kevin Durant. But just yep. where where do you think that Kevin Durant and James Harden stand on Kyrie Irving? Because we always talk about how when guys say that's my buddy, you know, that's my friend. There's a difference between being buddies and friends within basketball terms and yep. actually being friends or close with someone off the court. We're not gonna get in the weeds on what their relationship is, but the number one hierarchy is winning basketball games and championships, and then us being buddies off the court and whatever we like to get into in our free time, right? Like. Do you think that this has created that division there as well? Because everybody, even beyond the stars, are there at the facility practicing, getting ready for the season, except for Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's, it's going to come down to KD, I think, in a lot of ways, because I think him and Kyrie are legitimate friends. You have to remember, though, KD missed two full years of basketball. He's And there's I think there's a lot that he wants to get accomplished at this stage of his career. And at some point, if this continues the way it is, there's going to be a question of, are you going to value your friendship with Kyrie or are you going to have to make whatever moves you have to make? Cause I think really it's going to be KD signing off. I would be shocked if, it, I mean, 
you know, maybe, maybe Joe Sy or Sean Marks makes a decision, but we know, like, I think we get it. This organization mm-hmm. wants to make Katie happy. And for good reason, he's, I, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now, like you're going to do what you need to do to keep that guy happy. Um, I, I will say this, like, I also think I would be really shocked. I know KD's kind of said he hasn't really talked to Kyrie about vaccination or his whatever gone over, you know, sort of that idea and talked about it at the very least. I, I don't believe that at all. I just, I don't, I, I think that's hmm. has to be something that they have discussed. I feel pretty good about that. So I, you know, it's just kind of it, it. My read on the situation right now is that <laughs> it's going to sound bad. Everybody is hoping that Kyrie gets vaccinated on his own accord and is able to do whatever research he needs to do and, and shows up kind of, and it may not be that dramatic. I mean, I don't, but I, it definitely seems like the ball is in his court. So a couple of things there. So the one, the, the first is that, you know, the part about the, it's interesting you say about the Durant conversation piece with Kyrie thinking that, that it's probably happened. And I, and I hear what Adam was saying too, that the, the stance that the Nets can take now around the situation is much different than it was before. Like you mentioned him sitting out last year. Well, it's also not a coincidence that he kind of came back and played pretty quickly right after James Harden came to the Nets. Like it was, you know, if you remember that timeline yep. sort of ended pretty quickly right around there when the yep. trade happened, then he, and he came back. So I don't think, you know, the, the coincidence around the trade and then the end of the holdout, well, it's not a holdout, whatever he was doing on his, I don't think it was coincidence there. The Nets um, sort of have a, a different, I think they have more latitude in this situation now, knowing that Kevin Durant is on the team for a long time. I think they can, it seems like they can take a sort of, uh, they can take a heavier hand, right? In the, in the situation that they couldn't before. The, the Kevin Durant's just on the team now. Um, they're not worried about that piece of it. I think that the, the Kyrie piece, it seems like they can, I don't know if it's tough love or not. Do you think that with this, like knowing, seeing how Kyrie has sort of acted and reacted to stuff like this in the past, like I got worried that this actually, even though it seems so direct and so obvious, I think everyone agrees. I, there's no debate about the, uh, how obvious the situation is. Like we saw, we all saw anyone that follows me, NBA media saw this for what it was instantly with Woj and stuff. It was like, Oh, this is, this was, you know, leaked to you, know, you use the word leak. I think that's correct. I can see, can you see the situation sort of like actually having the unintended effect of it actually makes it worse because he's like, he strikes me as maybe the one, one, one person where this kind of thing actually doesn't work. And, you know, you saw what happened with Andrew Wiggins. It kind of worked, right? There was some, there was some internal external pressure and that situation for, you know, whatever it is kind of cleared itself away. Do you think that this situation deteriorates even more now? And then if it does, we can talk about like what that could mean, because I, I, I think there's, I think some Nets fans might be kidding themselves that this is going to work itself out in short order. And I, I don't know if you agree with this. Like this becomes increasingly unlikely to me that it does. Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing it in the reflection of quotes and things that we're hearing every single day. Like, it just sort of, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, it doesn't, you know, maybe it's just the questions that are being asked every day and you're getting different questions and some of them are going to provoke answers. Like, I think Brian Lewis or, or somebody had a, I think it was Brian Lewis yesterday, had a quote about Nash saying, we're not, we're preparing not to have him there for home games. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is just questions that are getting asked. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've totally thought about the, the risk, the adverse risk where it's, this is somebody that is really steadfast about what they believe in. And if they feel like that's being challenged and they feel like they're being coerced into doing something in a way that is 
kind of public and, and we know how much Kyrie doesn't love media. I mean, I think it's very obvious that Kyrie does not love media and leaking it to Woj, who, by the way, this should not be lost in every, on really anybody did the big dust disruptor piece in the mm. bubble. The same guy that did that, that is who got the story for this, this Kyrie thing. I think they're playing with fire to a degree. There must be some confidence that this is going to be something that works or it's just, there are no other options right now other than just say, Hey, we're just going to sit back and hope he walks in one day with a bandaid on his arm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I just, that's kind of been my read. Cause it just is not Netsy. It is not <laughs> Netsy at all to go to the media and say, let's write a hit piece. We had, uh, I think we had, we had made the joke about Kyrie could have literally been on his way to the local CVS Hurt saw the article and was like, nah, yep. bringing it right back home on this one, friends. Like, that, Wait, that's I, I want to say per- one thing too, and then Adam can ask his follow up. But the, uh, this it isn't lost on us too that last week at the beginning of the week, we did a whole thing about how the Nets were the most stable organization in the NBA. <laughs> like, we spent so much time talking about it. We, we, and, Very and, bullish. I, and I basically spent, I spent the whole time, most of it just dumpstering all the other teams for being an absolute clown show around like it was like the Rojas <laughs> thing had happened and like there was all this other stuff that had gone down. And we were just doing absolute victory laps about how great the Nets were and the KD extension and no drama. And then it was like that precipitated, uh, it was basically all downhill from the time we had published on that podcast. Anyway, Adam, you can go ahead. Sorry, I know I interrupted you. No, no. Some people, some people say that we're actually the cause of this entire circumstance. It's a locked on Nets podcast <laughs> that that's actually been bringing this thing to its knees. But <laughs> you know, the other thing that you mentioned there about, okay, you're, you're at this place, you're trying to drive this hard line, right? Uh, Steve Nash says we're preparing for him not to be available for home games. Then the next extension of this is, is this pressure that they're putting on him to be here for the full 82, obviously be available for home games, right? Will the Nets, do you think that the Nets would accept him not being there for home games? Is this the, you know, ultimatum? Maybe this seems obvious, but either you're here for everything or you're here for none of it. Like that, that does seem like the only intention you could have about taking this tactic with it is because that's the level of satisfaction here. You're either a part of it or you're not a part of it. And we're not going to stand here and say, well, there's KD and there's Harden and, you know, we're willing to massage and adjust our expectations on a case by case basis, because maybe we did do it last year and it didn't really get us the result that we wanted over the rest of the season and over the off season. I don't mean on the court, just personality, communication, expectation, yeah. right? If basically Kyrie took that sample size and said, oh, okay, so that is where we're at here. I get to do what I want. And then I let you know when I'm ready to come back and play, I, I don't think that you can have that type of perspective. Now, if you're the nets, you are drawing a hard enough line here where if you're going to push back on this at all, Kyrie, then maybe it is the world of, okay, this is it. Like this, this is the end of the line here for you. If you're not going to be all in on the full season. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe that's part of the motivation for the story that went to Woj is like, you don't want to set the precedent of being like, you tell us what to do. We work on your terms. Like you do have to take back your franchise. I think Mark Stein wrote that um, a little bit. You you need to sort of set guidelines and, and boundaries for how you run your operation. Um, and I, I think like, you know, I, and I'm, I, this is not my reporting. I've just seen this all over the place is that they do not seem like a team that's okay with him showing up for half the games. 
Like it's all or nothing. And I've seen that a couple of places. I know um, uh, Frank Asola said that on Sirius. I saw that on Twitter today. I don't know if that's true. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it is though. So Twitter doesn't is the never double wrong, down so. from <laughs> Twitter's always on point, but doesn't, <laughs> but doesn't also the sample size from Kevin Durant. And then after acquiring James Harden, both of their personalities, like they don't particularly enjoy the media per se, but they show up, they do what's expected of them. And also they are there to, they are both superstars who are willing to operate within the structure of the NBA. I feel yeah. like that is also the double down for the Nets where they go, well, maybe we thought you make the devil, you make the deal with the devil and this is what you have to live with. And now they've actually gotten a sample that says, or maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. Adam's I mean, going to get aggregated for calling Kyrie Irving the devil, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come back to bite me, but I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing to go for it. feels like it's just saying time. everybody. I know the thought I just put in your head. It's just saying, so everyone calm down. So sorry, Matt. No, no, you're good. Um, funny. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, it's just, I, I'm really curious. I, ju- I just don't think they can do the, the halftime thing, be, you know, playing half his games just because that's, I, they don't want to run the risk of building resentment in the locker room. Um, and, and you don't want to fracture the locker room just because of what one player, albeit a very important player is choosing to do. It's just, you run the risk. Like you got, let's say you have like James Harden coming out there. Who's like, look, I played on a, a freaking toward hamstring for this team. And there's another guy here that isn't here half the time. And we're just cool with that. I just, it's too risky. I don't think you can do Johnny that. show up for the last two weeks of the season and be like, here I am for a playoff. And run. also like, why is nobody talking about, it? I don't think you can play in playoff games either. Like he can't play in home games for the playoffs. No. That's right. insane. Like, <laughs> That's insane. Your team is And this different. is what we talked about. <laughs> this is what we talked about. Like, you know, Adam said before about the friendship piece and, and how, friendship along competition is different than friendship that you go to the bar with on Friday nights and like throw some back and watch the game. Like these are not the the relationships are different, right? Like you are, they just can't, they, they can't go any other way. You don't need to have experienced these kind of relationships to know they're different. You'd be crazy to think that your relationship, your collective you, your relationship with your college friends is the same as NBA players who literally would step over each other to win a championship. Most times that's why they exist at the highest levels of competition. They're able to kind of segment their heads out like this, right. And say, I can be friends with someone, but I can also see that, you know, this, this situation is not helping me reach my ultimate goal, which is to win championships. Um, does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just, I, I, that's why I think that people get, people get discombobulated when they try to put their own friendship terms around guys who are the most competitive people in the world. LeBron James t- traded Dwayne Wade. Like we'll put it like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he got in a fight with Chris Paul last year around, around union stuff. These guys are like supposed to be lifelong friends and they took to each, they took shots at each other in the media around, you know, the, how the season worked out. Right. This is just, when, when it comes to championships on the line, it just, this other stuff kind of gets thrown, thrown out. Let me ask you this. So here it's, we're recording this Thursday, October 7th. I'm only saying the date here, because if you catch this stuff later, it, this stuff changes so quickly that it's sometimes hard to know where, you know, we said a few days ago, the Nets had no problems. And now it seems like they're going to start. I always love Kyrie. <clears throat> just to be clear, <laughs> yeah. I want to get that on tape. What, what, what happens here? Like, uh, okay, let, let's, let's, let's get this one out of the way. There's been talk of trades that have cut like the net the nets. There's a certain segment of the nets population. We have not talked about this at all in the podcast um, for kind of good reason, but <laughs> about if the situation does not resolve, right. If the, and the, I'm going to call a resolution in this sense that Kyrie gets vaccinated. Like that's because that's what the situation is now. This is not a, an anti-vax or pro-vax stance. It's just like, these are the, <laughs> these are the rules in place and one guy can't play. Right. That's just, that's just kind of the long and short of it. What, 
happens here if they if they just don't resolve then you know, the nash got asked are they going to move practices he was quick he was so quick no we're not doing that right he couldn't he couldn't answer that quick enough like to say we're not making any there's not gonna be any concessions here let's say they get to the second game of the season and they're, now they're headed back to Brooklyn, right? There's the first two games and then they're headed back to Brooklyn and he's not going to, and he's not on the team. Are they going to entertain a situation where they even reach out to other teams in the league? I don't, it doesn't seem like that's even happened at this point, but um, the, do you think it even gets to that point? Because there's, there's only so many, if you, if you look at the decision tree <laughs> about where this can go, there aren't that many, <laughs> there aren't that many branches yeah <laughs> like right. there's, there's there's really only three or four branches to this some are, are easier to get to than others but is is the trade branch an actually a, a realistic one or is that just putting it way too wait the, the horse way in front of the cart no the other way around the cart in front of the horse the the horse there, there's a cart and a horse somewhere they're 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 somewhere and i'll doing th- something they're, 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 they're right now they're hurtling down the hill at a someone yeah. just shot that horse and it's just tumbling <laughs> down into the river yeah. uh there's no horse nor cart right now I, it's too early i think they're just sort of again waiting playing the waiting game to a degree and letting him do what he needs to do to get to the point where that decision, you know, they make a decision. Cause it just sounds like they have no, they have no, they have no idea what's going to happen. There's no idea if it's a yes, there's no idea if it's a no on vaccination. It's just, we're just sort of in limbo right now. So, but I think like, if you reach a certain point in this, and I'm really curious, like, are they, let's say he doesn't get vaccinated and they go on the road, right. For, for um, with the first two games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is he yes. playing? Because he hasn't practiced really. Like, I don't even does he play? Are they are they just gonna be like, Yeah, go ahead, go out there? <laughs> you know what's so funny? Know. I just assumed he and see in my mind, I just you're now I'm I'm kind of like pausing because in my mind he was playing because the rules kind of said he could. Right. And now now we're probably looking at a situation where and I think they have one road preseason game. They have a road, they have a road preseason game against the Sixers, um, yep. I believe is the last one. So uh, maybe we take our 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 sort of hot take marching orders from what happens around that, because that actually might be the best proxy for how they're feeling about the situation, right? Like if the other yeah. guys, the other guys suit up and he doesn't in a situation where he could play because the rules say that this is an okay situation. Like I, maybe that's where we just, that maybe that's like the next line of demarcation around what can actually happen here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it gives you the idea of like, is this guy around the team? Like, I think that's to put it bluntly, if he's it's there, clearly, like he's not though, right? I mean, I don't, no, not, not at all, no, <laughs> not at all. I mean, he can't even be in facilities. So, like, what is he gonna do? Is he gonna if he was with them for San Diego? Um, you know, solidarity would be to stand outside the facility and just, yeah, <laughs> wait that for, jumper, like that J in there looks good out the windows. It's like in college when you leave your uh, your key in card into the to the dorms, you just sort of wait out there and hope somebody's <laughs> gonna let you in. I could just jump in there real quick. Um, <laughs> Do you then? So this is, here's what I'll say. I, I, I'm not a very tinfoil hat kind of guy, but I, I thrown out this idea, whether it was maybe it was lucky that the draft went the way that it did. And maybe the Nets just looked at making their team better and made the acquisitions they did in the offseason, specifically at the guard position. But when you mentioned at the top that this goes back to last year, is there? any world whether it's by the fact that he happened to fall to them there but now that you look at the backcourt and you say well we brought in a guy like patty mills bruce brown in traditional role now going into this season and you bring in a guy that at the very least can go on the court and looks like he's going to be able to score immediately at the nba level in cam thomas 
do you think that plays into how the Nets are approaching this just from the standpoint of if this had happened last offseason, we'd feel very differently about the strength of this roster overall and the supporting cast. Coming into this year, it feels like the Nets are as deep as or deeper than any team in the league. I mean, it helps. Like, I think even, but it'll just sort of shape what the season looks like. If he's not there, let's say he's not there. Or let's say they get a, a, a player back in return, which I do want to get into. I'm going to make us get into some fake go. trades because, well, there's Got really only team. one, honestly, that I think we can talk about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like a guy like Cam Thomas is actually like, I I would be pretty Chomping at the bit for Kyrie not to show up so he can go ahead and ball out Man. and send a message like, I could do this if you needed it. Talk about a winner uh, from any, if anybody's a winner from all of this, it's it's Cam Thomas who, I mean, I'm, I'm, they, if, look, if Kyrie never ever reports and, and we never get to a situation where he's, you know, able to participate with the team, I would, I want to see some Cam Thomas. I want to see him play next to Harden. I want to see him play around guys that make the game easier for him. I, I that's what I want to see, you know, cause I, I think right now, like he can just come in immediately and play next to it's, it's funny. Like Cam Thomas is one of those guys you look at him, you say, oh, he's a scorer. He's, he's probably a ball hog or whatever. And yeah, he's not a great passer right now. But I think if you put him next to somebody else where it's like James Harden's, you know, getting into a pick and roll and he kicks to Cam Thomas and the decision is simply take the catch and shoot or go to the rim and draw contact, that is perfect for him. And he is going to be elite, elite, elite at that already. At Even for his age, like he is going to be elite. And that's somebody I want to see. Like I want to see him out there and I think he can – reasonably contribute right away will he give it back on the other end not sure but at the very least I think it's something that you you're gonna want to see a little bit and I also think it'll really affect a lot of their rotations a lot of how they run things you know you think about the Nets last year they're a team that they have James Harden run with the bench and then you have Kyrie and KD run the show together what does that look like now you got to refigure out all these things and that's why I kind of think like it's untenable to have Kyrie there half the time and not there half the time. It's just too much going on. Like you can't run two separate teams, right? Crazy. Like you can't have, this is yeah. our home. This is our home lineup and how we attack teams. And this is our away, our road games where this player comes in and inserts and is such a dominant, obviously yeah. high talent that you can't not have him be a focal point. Right. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's untenable really. Who are you going to trade for Anthony Simons? What were you thinking? <laughs> um, I look. I, I can do the Ben Simmons thing because I think that's the one that's going around. And to, uh, there's a lot of things that go into that. A, it's close enough to uh, his home that maybe, maybe just being close enough to New Jersey, that's something that he'd be interested in. Maybe because you have to look at teams that are nearby Boston. I mean, I think we can cross that off pretty firmly. <laughs> um, <laughs> never say never. You know. Why? Yeah, you know, we don't need to watch something happen. Uh, it's just logo, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that's kind of the one I look at. And they have a player, I think, in return that you could at least, I mean, for, let's <laughs> put it bluntly, for an unvaccinated Kyrie Irving, if you get Ben Simmons back, that's pretty good. I actually talked to a couple, uh, just been sort of sniffing around, like, uh, just what, on the Philly side, what people think of that. And um, I think it's, it's I, the idea of you having such a distressed asset. I hate labeling players that way, but for the sake of this argument, let's put it that way. Um, a distressed asset in Ben Simmons. If you could get even one year of Kyrie Irving, let's say it's just one year for a guy that right now has no trade value, has no intention of showing up to camp. 
and, and may sit out the entire season. I almost think if you're Dale Moore, you can talk yourself into saying, hey, we can play this guy at home and maybe this is the year we need to take advantage of Joel Embiid's prime. I just went back and forth with people and it I got less pushback than I thought for, you know, basically trading a guy that everybody in Kyrie that everybody says has no trade value right now. Well, you haven't jumped into any of the, you haven't jumped in any of the comments about what it looks like from the other side of this, because it was an <laughs> absolute S show coming on the other way about Ben. There, I will say there was a gross misunderstanding about Ben Simmons as a basketball player. Yep. Um, he's been, he's been dragged pretty hard here and um, he doesn't done himself any favors. I don't think on this stuff. So I, I think some of it's warranted, but people, I saw one person like say that he would play like the Claxton role. And I was like, oh man, people have really, really <laughs> not figured out what's going on here. Hopefully he's in better shape. <laughs> <They're trying> to- <laughs> the, crazy, the crazy part about yeah, the crazy part about this is that we're even discussing. I mean, these are like, these are two, <laughs> these two storylines. The fact that they would even dovetail into each other around, you called it distress asset. And I think actually from a, not just a strictly basketball perspective, that is correct labeling, right? You are talking about um, a, a players whose you know, who's clear value, you know, related to their contract and, you know, or, you know, Kyrie doesn't have a contract, but what he would get, what he would garner on the open market, which is clearly like a, a max salary, right. Um, that they would be even be in a situation where the situations have deteriorated so quickly that um, we'd even be discussing it. I, I, I mean, the chance to me personally, the chances of that are like less than 1% for yeah. other reasons that even exist beyond just the, that the money maybe lines up and say maybe, maybe someone, everyone's willing to take a risk. I, it's funny, actually, I think actually the biggest hurdle for both these teams, where they just wouldn't want to do it to someone they'd be competing with directly to, go, to, to get into the playoffs. I think it'd yeah. be almost too weird and everyone's brain would break, but it's just, I cannot believe on October 7th, we're even talking about the situation and you actually have to bring it up because it's, at least partially valid because you're talking about a situation. We already know Simmons. He's not, not going to play with the Sixers. So that one's settled. Yeah. And I mean, short of a miracle and with Kyrie, the fact that you, that we're even in a situation where you have to begin thinking about it because the situation has clearly devolved to a point of, I don't think it's past the point of no return right now. Cause that's, that's pretty far. Like the Simmons one is past the point of no return. They told, they said as much, right. They said, I'm never playing here again. So I, I like that one's yeah. that one's further down. That one's way further down the, the track, but the fact that it would even be entertained here is, is so crazy. And I, and at some point you'd have to think that even discussing it has, is, is, is starting to probably wear, it will, will begin wearing on the team, especially for those that have to continue answering the questions like Harden and Durant and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's too early in a way to talk about it, but I also, I think part of it is I just need to think about something else other than, wow, <laughs> we're in limbo another day. Great. Like, I I don't know. I, I think, so let's, let's talk about we, Claxton. No. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I'm going to save my Claxton thoughts. <laughs> let me, let me give him a couple. Well, of I, I appreciated your, uh, your media day. <laughs> I appreciated your media day follow-up question to your initial question to him, which I thought was fantastic. You'd, I've been bulking up. You're like, how much, how much more do you think you've put on? He's like, ah, it's probably the same weight, but I'm just saying, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting bigger. I was like, man, I've never seen anyone actually walk themselves. His confidence into, is up. Yeah. You know, through the roof. I feel like I put on 20 pounds of confidence is really what's happening here. Uh, do you, uh, would Kyrie retire? Like, is that a real thing? That's what I just not, wanted not, to say. Not, not, not even the, tr- like, take away from the trade piece of it even. Like, obviously, you'd think if they were going to send them out to California or the, you know, Western Conference team to avoid what is an odd trade within the same conference that teams like to avoid. But do you think that if it gets to the place where the Nets are like, you're all in or you're all out, and Kyrie just says, then I'm all out. Like, that, that's it for yeah. me. We know, 
you know, what he is off the court. And there's a lot of, by the way, maybe just to round out the perspective on him, Doug and I have said numerous times on, on the podcast, the things that this guy does away from the game that often goes undocumented or sometimes people make sure to bring it up because it is so impressive and how generous he is with his time and his money. Like as strange as he is, he can be a good dude. And, and is that side of his life maybe valuable enough or important enough to him that he just says, okay, I'll go do that then. I could be. I mean, it, I think that's kind of the point they're looking to reach is where, you know, Hey, are you, are you in with us or are you out? And if you're out, are you out like playing this year? If, if that's not the case, cause I think there is much as there's all this stuff. Oh, does Kyrie love basketball? I think he likes playing basketball. I, I think oh, yeah. he loves the big moments. I think a lot of that's overblown. And in a way, if they get to a point where it's like, this guy is not going to get vaccinated. He's not going to participate with the team. I would call his bluff and, and trade and, and for a trade or something like that, mm. because it's like, I, I just, you know, if he retires, he, ret- you know, I, I just don't know if he will. That's a huge, huge decision. I mean, it's just, so I don't know. I, I mean, those, bluff, any of those options or scenarios, I mean, is he, is he the same thing with Ben Simmons, right? When, when all this happened, everyone said, this guy doesn't have any value. It may be diminished, but you're not going to just give him away knowing what the talent is right now. Is Kyrie Irving, do you think that other teams in any of these conversations would be saying, well, what's my guarantee here? Or, you know, would the Nets have to be adding stuff into a pot potentially to say, like, here's why it's worth it, because at least you get picks, too, in order to get this guy off the books who very well may show up and then say, thanks so much. I'm not going to be a part of this team either. I, I, I don't know how you get a read of the situation. I mean, the, the yeah. hardest part right now is like somebody needs to have contact with him. That, that, would, be, that would be a step one. So you have to be another team. Um, with contact with him and have an idea. Hey, if, if, I mean, that you, obviously you can't trade for a player and not know if he's not going to retire the next day. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's the weirdest situation. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of strange NBA things over the years. This, this is, this is probably number one. I, I can't think of a situation <laughs> where the team is al- almost landlocked into having to wait things out because of this threat of, will he get, will he retire? Will he like, whatever, like it kind of hinders his value. And the fact that he is very clearly unvaccinated. Um, And, and that's another thing that you have to get into. So those two things working together along with him, just being like, we don't have any idea if he's ever going to show up here and be able to do this. I uh, will say, we'll just uh, we'll close it out here in a sec, but uh, there was another quote that came in from James Harden here. It's from Zach Brazilier yep. from the New York Post. And he said, uh, this is actually a little more definitive from Harden. So this makes me feel a little a little better. It said, uh, it's not this, at least that there might be some communication or that the team, at least the player side, is maybe there hasn't been a fracture. He said, it's not disappointing at all. I'm assuming he's, he's uh, referring to the situation. It's not disappointing. Kai believes what he believes in. His family's behind him. We're behind him. That's all that it is. So uh, maybe the, maybe the, the tales of the, of the team demise might not be there. Again, it's one quote, one quote from one player. I, I'll say this. Um, I hope very much that this podcast that we just did is completely irrelevant by tomorrow. <laughs> Me too. Like, because like that would be that would be the I we're gonna I know Adam and I are gonna switch top probably have to switch topics here by by for uh for another episode just because we've done a few <laughs> done a few uh days on it. Wanna thank Matt. Uh, I know we're gonna be I think up on uh Matt's feed as well. Um yep. the clear out. So uh much appreciated to Matt uh to take the time for us to kind of do this joint podcast together. It's always good to get other people's opinion, especially someone as you know overly qualified as Matt is to to kind of talk about the situation. Matt, really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for coming on my show. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe yeah, well, it. Oh my God. You know, real quick. Real you quick, guys Adam are on my show. All right. Adam, Adam, yeah, Adam and I took this. We, 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 all, we, all, we all fist fought ahead of time about whose show, who's was going on. There was actually no clear way. We re- all realized ahead of time that there was no clear way to, uh, <laughs> to have a hierarchy. So we all went on each other's show, Kumbaya. Sat the There's a, there was a real chance that I was going to start my own podcast ahead of this one. I was going to bring in my <laughs> yeah. entirely unique show and say, no, this is a three-way This is split. actually a, this is for one giant podcast. You're just, you're, you're crossing <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Listen, it's always relevant. It's New York-based sports. Take this one to the bank, friends. How do you say we come in peace when the very words are an act of war? Peter Watts. That, that's, there's thoughts. something there right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. And, and you're welcome. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you.